And welcome again to The Good, The Bad, and The Podcast, the show where we take a given movie genre and we explore the best example of that genre, the worst example of that genre, and the weirdest example, the ugliest example, the the one that's kind of halfway between human and animal, and it's kind of that uncanny valley. Hello, I am Mark. Hey, I'm Kelly. And I am Meowington Mills. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We knew something was coming. That's oh, uh, that's something else. That that is that is, that is something that's else. Evangelicals, <laughs> evangelicals do so oh, man. I I'm excited for you to do an entire podcast in that outfit. As am it I. Looks like your yeah. head's gonna get warm and your nose. Okay, cool. And so today, as you may be able to tell by our co-host <laughs> Meowington Mills, we are doing. Animal hybrid movies, animal human hybrid movies. Charles, or sorry, Meowington, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you chose this topic? Well, you know, you you guys may know me. I'm not sure. I I was actually in the original, way off Broadway performance of Cats, um, but this was a long time. This was in the '80s. Times have been a little hard on me, but I I just I, I saw a lot of people were trashing. The theatrical release, the movie of Cats. So, I just wanted to do my part to, you know, explain and and the only way to do that was to come up with the genre that, you know, could actually encompass what Cats is. And it's really it's all about it's about redemption and second chances, and that's what I'm representing today. But it's also you know it's an animal hybrid movie. There was a lot of concerns about the uncanny valiness of it, whatever that means. But I chose these other two movies uh, because they, they seem to fit in that vein. So, you know, that's that's why I wanted to do this. Well, you do you do look like you could use a redemption there. Thank you. I you do. I, I, this is my chance. You know, this has been waiting. I really on this. hope you get sent up to the heavy side layer or that's whatever right. it was called. Heavy side layer. Yeah. Heavy side. I always I always say heavy side. That's another thing too. When it uh, when it went to England, I couldn't do it because I was an American. They only wanted you know Brits to play the roles and whatever it's the whole thing sure. i always said heavy side layer it's it's you know but it is what it is at this point right that's right that's, that's right true. okay so uh let's get this thing started shall we yes First so the, the picks be... that were uh chosen here are uh planet of the apes the original one now this is from 1968 uh second one island of dr moreau from 1996 and then, of course, Cats from 2019. Which, I gotta say, I, I, I'm I, trying to hold back my anger here because I am really angry that people misunderstood this movie. So You're gonna have I, a lot of anger towards me then, Charles. I mean, Meowington, I'm so sorry. And I'm, I'm really interested in, in uh, this is your good pick because I certainly hope it's not. Kelly, what do you think? What do you think? Good, bad, ugly for these? Well, uh, hmm, I know what it would be for me, but the way this is all unfolding leads me to believe that uh, it's you're not going to share my opinion, Charles. So I'm going to guess Planet of the Apes good, Cats ugly, and Dr. Moreau bad. Oh, man, man, man. It, 
this is this is one of those treats of an episode where it, it could all go topsy turvy on us. It could. Uh, I gotta say, Planet of the Apes good still. I'm gonna go Island of Doctor Moreau ugly, and Cat's bad. That's where I would put it as well if I was ranking these for my own self. But you think Charles thinks Cats is is the ugly? I think so. Okay. No, I think we Cats is see. the good. Could be. I certainly hope for our friendship's sake <laughs> that it's not <laughs> for the stability of this podcast well, and the relationships between us. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I understand. I understand. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, and I've already said I, I definitely have some bias going into this. So, yeah, yeah it's what it is, that. though. Okay. It's a, he, he's trying to prepare us for a good pick for cats. Okay. So let's, not necessarily, uh, not necessarily. I, I don't want to, you know, get rid of any of the magic here. I just, I'm just saying, I don't want to ruin any friendship. That is not what this is about tonight, <laughs> by any means. Uh, uh, it is your honor this time to do the synopsis. Do you want to start us off with Planet of the Apes? Okay, I, I will. Okay, the synopsis for this one is an astronaut crew crash lands on a planet in the distant future where intelligent talking apes are the dominant species and humans are the oppressed and enslaved. This is the trailer for Planet of the Apes. Can't help thinking that somewhere in the universe there has to be something better than man. Has to be. The words are Charlton Heston's. Get out a last signal to Earth that we've landed! The world he finds out in the galaxy will challenge every idea you've ever had of civilization. A planet where man is the lowest order of living things. And the superior beings are apes. They build the cities, make the laws, the gods, and control the guns that hunt a race of lowly, terrified humans who run wild in the jungles, are caged in the prisons, and stuffed in the museums. 20th Century Fox transforms the motion picture screen into Planet of the Apes. Pierre Boulle's finest novel since Bridge on the River Kwai. The world gone insane. An upside-down civilization that could not be real. Yes, a world of madness and terror. Man has no understanding. He can be taught a few simple tricks, nothing more. You did it. You cut up his brain, you bloody baboon. not end here. It ended in an episode so unpredictable, so shocking, it made the horror which preceded it seem calm and gentle as a summer's night. A great many people worked long and hard to answer the question of what a civilization would be like where the evolutionary process had been reversed and apes were the superior species. Hundreds of technicians and the largest number of makeup artists ever assembled assisted the producers, the writers, the director, and the cast. Dr. Cornelius, Roddy McDowell, 
Dr. Zira is played by Kim Hunter. Dr. Zayas is portrayed by Maurice Evans. And Nova by Linda Harrison. Now the tribunal has placed you in my custody for final disposition. You realize what that means? Maturation to begin with. Then experimental surgery on the speech centers, on the brain. Eventually a kind of living death. Planet of the Apes, beyond your wildest dreams. And that is the original, original first of 15 or 28 movies, Planet of the Apes, 1968, with Charlton Heston. I know I said I'd work on my impression and I didn't. So that's all you get. I'm so It's sorry. not bad, though. It's really not bad. It, I gotta say. I think it's perfect, Mark. Uh, Charles, or Meowington, will you just tell us? Is this your good, your bad, or your ugly? This is my good. I'm not going to yeah. play around yeah. with you guys. Uh, okay. Woo. Charles can be a little silly. Uh, you know, I was watching some of the old episodes and he used to tease you guys a lot. This is my good. It's actually one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, if if we were doing a top ten, it would probably be in my top ten. Although most of them feature animals and stuff. Wow. I, I actually I really like the uh, the makeup. Uh, I thought the makeup was really groundbreaking to this day. Uh, I like this one a lot better than the remake. I, I don't really like Tim Burton's remake of it at all. And we discussed that right in previous episodes. So. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, y'all did a episode. rebate episode. That was mm-hmm. one of the picks, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and I believe that was uh, Micah's pick, if memory serves. Um, but yeah, so the, this is, uh, like I said, this is uh, a classic movie in every sense of the word. I love everything that it brings up. There's religious aspects and um, just everything. And, the, and especially if you see the second one immediately after, they kind of tie into each other, and that one gets more into how it got there. I love both of them for that. Um, and this, like, like I said, this is the makeup's incredible. I think the concept's really good. And um, I, I, it's just, it, to me, it's almost a perfect film. Hmm. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know if I would go, uh, for me, I don't know. Well, I mean, I can't really think of that much that I disliked about it, but I... I don't know if it would fall in my top ten necessarily, but I, I did really like it. Um, the, I, I mean, I admit I don't know how they did. Was it prosthetics that they used for the mm-hmm. the masks? They, yeah. I mean, those were really, really good. The only thing that did make me laugh a little bit was when um, Zira and her fiancé <laughs> kissed each other, and it was like, mwah, mwah, mwah. Yeah. like the, the plastic things just clicking together. But... Um, <laughs> But aside from that, it was really good. Uh, the the effects were far better in 1968 than they were in the Island of Doctor Moreau 30 <laughs> years later, which was hilarious. But yeah, um, yeah, I this was a much better movie than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I would definitely wouldn't put it in my top ten just for for a couple of reasons, which I'll get into in a second. But it was really on the cutting edge and still still holds up today. It's it's It was ahead of its time for sure with the prosthetics, but also with the camera work. Um, that opening scene when they crash land is really striking camera work and camera movement. Yeah. The music, too, 
I don't think I don't think the music quite holds up, but you can tell what they were going for and that they were pushing the boundary. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that because the the in fact, when they um, I love the new trilogy, by the way, and it was in the second movie of the new trilogy that they they reused pieces of this original music, and it was just it was fantastic to hear that. Well, I saw that in theater, and it was uh, nostalgia. So I, I love that. Meow. Yeah, just in the original. <laughs> In the original, uh, it just was a little bit too dissonant and kind of nails on chalkboard for me at, at times. Like getting into sound effects versus actually being soundtrack or music. Hmm. But I, I could I could debate it. I, I could see why I could see why people would like it still. Uh, the one of the things that bothered me was just the constant like how many times is Charlton Heston gonna escape and get caught again? It seems like he just keeps punching monkey men in the face and running yeah, away. That, that doesn't they... really bother me. That, I, I wasn't too... That was okay to me. That, that You know, because everything seemed plausible. There was nothing too far-fetched. Um, and there's actually... There's some pretty shocking things in this movie. Like when you... You know, what happens to his fellow astronauts. Um, it, it, it just... It doesn't always go where I thought it was going to go. And then even the ending is one of the all-time great endings great twist endings great sci-fi endings um visuals of that are also stunning yeah i'd agree mm-hmm. yeah Char- not to be the downer negative side but just try to bring up a little little nitpicks here charlton heston's character was uh, to me a little bit over the top nihilistic sometimes with like even it, it seemed weird when you talk about plausibility at, at the beginning when he's talking with all of his crewmates and they're just now getting it seems like they're just now getting to know each other and and one of the guys is like oh you're just so jaded and this and this and so tr- throughout the whole movie Charlton Heston's like got this chip on his shoulder about you know nothing matters and whatever and this isn't important I, well, which you wouldn't think because wasn't I, he like the head of this expedition. I, yeah, but it's also, I mean, I think it's a pretty good way to get some exposition in there, considering how they started out the movie. They just kind of throw you in there. And, and also, uh, I love that laugh that Charlton Heston does. It, like, laughs to the sky and it echoes. I, I That's pretty creepy. Like, I feel like it sets up the themes um, in those first few things really well. And, you know, it sets up the unique nature of the whole place. And, and they, again, they just kind of throw you in there. This is... Um, a side note on this: um, when they when they are finally seen by the the apes on this planet, uh, none of the other humans can talk. That is a major difference between this and the remake. In the remake, the humans can still talk. The uh, I just I found that to be absolutely fascinating, and they were able to give him a reason why he couldn't talk at first, but eventually he does. And yeah, I, did I, I just I love all that. It also seemed. I feel like we're just going back and forth. I'm going to throw a negative out. You're just going to throw a positive back. But it also seemed like he could have easily proved his intelligence sooner than he did. I would uh, argue that wrote, people that are looking he, to someone as a subspecies, you know, take it from me. When people are looking down on you for not being human enough, they're going to see what they want to see. I mean, you take uh, you take Dr. Zayas. He knew that yeah, Charlton S's character they, they, was intelligent. They did a good job with the... They did a good job with him to not them denying it later on when he did show that he could talk and reason. Right. But he, he, he knew it and he was that. able to he was able to, you know, ignore it. They still wanted to do the surgery on it and and also convince everyone else. So But earlier on he was like 
drawing in the sand and trying to spell things out and this fight just broke out and happened to like again i I say people see what they want to see Uh, this is uh this is human nature or in this case ape nature whatever but they they see what they want to see and this is this is also um the whole thing's a good metaphor for society and differences in culture and differences in people and looking down on others and then the whole thing with the you know they don't see they don't hear thing covering their eyes covering their ears and the trial just kind of sham trials and I, I you know I dig all that I think the the analogy really works and I, I think it holds up and I still think it's an important film yeah I, I agree with the point you're making yeah and I'm glad to have seen it finally this was the first time I'd seen it and so um yeah I feel like I understand a lot of more pop culture references now that I've seen. They're all pretty good too. Um, the all the movies. I mean, they get a little weird. Uh, the one, um, which one is? I forget which one it is, but they they time warp back to the seventies, which is when that movie was made. So it's the apes going back to uh, when everybody's human, and uh, that's a little weird one. It's one of my least favorite out of all the originals. Uh, How many originals were there? Um, Four or five. I can't remember exactly. Um, and then, and then there was the remake. But you know, Kelly mentioned you mentioned pop culture uh, references. The, the Simpsons uh, did one of my favorite references ever when they did a they did a production of Planet of the Apes, and they had a the song in there, Doctor Zeus, Doctor Zeus, which is set to Rock Me Amadeus. And and it's you know Phil Hartman playing uh, Charlton Heston's character, and I, I love the part where they're like, he can talk, he can talk, he can talk, I can sing. Uh, I just I love it. Uh, uh, it gets me all giddy in my cat heart. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's just uh, that that's one of the best Simpsons episode, and it's inspired by this. And so very nice, very nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I can tell it's I can tell it is close to your cat heart. It is. Yes. All right. So any any last words before we move on? No, nope. I'm I'm good. We can. Uh, we've got. What's the next? Is one it Moreau's next? It is. The Island of Doctor Moreau. Ooh, and we have fancy little lower thirds there. Look at that. So fancy. fancy you guys fancy. ready? Ready for the synopsis? Yep. Let's mm-hmm. hear the synopsis. All right. Let me see. Okay, so the synopsis is, after being rescued and brought to an island, a man discovers that its inhabitants are experimental animals being turned into strange-looking humans, all of it the work of a visionary doctor. This is the trailer for The Island of Dr. Moreau. seventh day, he rested. And on the eighth day, in the year 2010, in a remote laboratory, an exiled scientist created something impossible. Unmistakably human, undeniably animal on the island of Dr. Moreau. I'd like to present my children. 
father? Oh my god. From director John Frankenheimer. H.G. Wells' most terrifying creation. About the line that separates man from beast. What's going on? And the notorious doctor who dared to cross it. We are men. Because the father has made us men. Marlon Brando. Val Kilmer. David Thewlis. The Island of Dr. Moreau. Directed by John Frankenheimer. A wild ride if I've ever been taken on one through a movie. Please tell me. I don't know what I don't know what I want to be true, whether this I want I, this to be I uglier. have to believe that this is your ugly. It was such a good ugly pick. I loved it. It I mean Marlon Brando as Dr. Moreau. I just couldn't take my eyes off him. The the ice hat bucket, um, his his extremely pastel sunscreen is <laughs> like being carried around on the litter. His whole like the the false teeth he was wearing. I I just there there are no end to the ways in which this movie amused me and yeah. I, I would watch it again in the a second. Sh- yeah. I'd much rather watch this uh than than Planet of the Apes. So Than Planet like of the they, Apes? Yeah. So they've got the like Wait, hold on. Inter- I just want to clarify. You, <laughs> you I know you hate cats, and you're also telling me you don't like Planet of the Apes, and now this is your this I'm would be your object. I'm trying to needle you because you were having none of my <laughs> You're having none of my nitpicks on, on Planet of the Apes. Uh no, so this movie is on so many not on so many levels, at so many points, it, it's so weird and, and just kind of keeps branching off into these different weird areas. And you're like, oh, this is also weird in a different way. Now, Kilmer's character was bizarre the way he acted it. And he like uh, the, the some of the mutant girls are like half naked and you can kind of see them, but it's all prosthetics. But they still have like parts that are somewhat human and he's like they're giving Valkymer kisses as he's giving them food for the day like feeding them like zoo animals but they're like all over him and like kissing him and he's kissing them back that was weird <laughs> the way they introduced the oddities was weird so the first scene when the main character I forget the actor's name he played Professor Lupin in Harry Potter David uh, Thewlis yeah so so he's he's the one that we're seeing this island. He's the protagonist. We're seeing it through his eyes, and he first sees these these animal creatures. As I think one of them is giving birth, and that was a really creepy scene. I was kind of excited at that point because I wanted to see more of of that like overly dramatic. They kind of hid what was happening. Oh no, there's a dog behind me, Huntington. What's going to happen? Is he going to attack it? Is he going <laughs> to freak him out? No. Okay, it's fine. Okay, so. So I was excited. I wanted more of that. And then they just kind of jump cut to it's all this one big happy family. And these are all his children. And they're they're mostly docile and stuff. Oh, man. But I, I, I also got to hope this is your ugly. The, the, the costumery and the prosthetics and the makeup in this one were 
kind of laughably bad too, which contributed to the overall feeling of ugliness that <laughs> that I experienced. I think like every time I would start to be like charmed and swept into the narrative, <laughs> the hyena swine would come up or. <laughs> What the little be? midget, the little <laughs> thing was so weird. I texted you so a picture of that. <laughs> He's like got no hair and just crinkled skin, and just looks like just like a little skinny gnome walking around. <sighs> it, ooh man, that got me. I I laughed out loud many times during this movie. But the prosthetics were pretty bad. But there were some creepy. They did some pretty good stuff with with the hyena and the barking sound and it, like there were some moments especially when when they turned on on Marlon Brando's character there were some moments when it was kind of freaky the the kind of deep grunts they had made and they did some cool audio work with that mm-hmm. but Marlon Brando's performance reminded me of this is going to so Anthony Hopkins when he played uh Thor's dad uh, Odin but when when Loki is pretending to be Odin and he's like just kind of like eating grapes and stuff and he's like having all this lavish party in the, in the I think it was Ragnarok and uh, so I kept thinking it was Anthony Hopkins because he's anyway I, I kept getting shot back to that it's pretty funny yeah he, I can I can totally see that he did a good job Marlon I mean he wasn't bad he, I don't know right like what was he I, I can't quite put my finger on it because I don't know why he took it to that quirky place I mean the book the book he's just kind of this Dr. Moreau is this hale and hearty older gentleman who believes everything passionately but he doesn't have all these eccentricities necessarily and I know Charles Lawton played him in an earlier adaptation of of this the Island of Lost Souls in 34 or 32 something like that and he was a little bit uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, he was a little bit quirky like that, but ne- but the, he Marlon Brando dialed it up to eleven, and I I, I guess yeah. he just was bored and wanted to see how far he could push the envelope. I'm not sure, but I it seemed like it. It, it. it could have been a good performance <laughs> in any other context. Yeah if, yeah, if his children weren't these half human creatures that he had bred with other animal DNA, it it could have been good, I guess, but. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Meowington, what are your what are your thoughts and feelings on this movie? Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to take a lot of unpopular opinions in this podcast. Apparently, uh, let's just <laughs> rattle them off, shall we? Uh, one, I like the makeup quite a bit. Thank you very much. I I, um, I thought some of the prosthetics were amazing, uh, in particular the hyena. Uh, I love the look of the character. He's the main one that kind of leads the revolution, so to speak. Um, I do not like Brando's performance. I think he's one of the weaker elements here. And I'll actually say that um, this this movie, for those that don't know, this was a train wreck of a production because they fired the original director who was passionate about it. Um, like just either like a day before or like a day after production had started. They brought in the uh, John Frankenheimer, I believe his name. I'm mixed up, but they brought him in. And um, at that point, just chaos happened because uh, Val Kilmer and Brando, I don't think, particularly wanted the new director. They supported the original director's vision. Um, and there was just a lot of tension on the set, right? And they, were, they constantly were rewriting and shooting things. Just things were happening. It was just really chaotic. Now, 
keep in mind that Brando is notorious for being someone who won't memorize his lines. He's a difficult actor to work with, um, to say the least. He comes up with weird stuff and he demands a lot. And and he in particular like you guys I think Kelly mentioned the ice bucket on his head that was Brando he insisted on that he he came up with a backstory for the character in his mind that he was a dolphin he was half dolphin and had a you know they had to keep that in the hole so that he could breathe and function on land um, <laughs> but then they it, never they never alluded to no, that no of course they don't but that's Brando he had these things and he would not memorize lines and he's also just notoriously late on set he likes to cause trouble Val Kilmer is very similar. Val Kilmer is very was was very hard to work with in this and he would show up incredibly late and wouldn't want to memorize his lines and was just just difficult to work with. Um, there's even an, uh, an incident where he burns uh, someone with a cigarette. He put a cigarette out on their face. Now he claims <laughs> that it was because he the the cinematographer wanted him to get really close and blow smoke and it was an accident, but there several people said no, he put it out on his face. Uh, so you have all of that happening and, uh, you can't really, uh, I mean, it would have taken a, 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 not a small miracle to make a good movie out of this. Um, but it's, it's just, unfortunately, I also don't agree with either one of you. This is my bad pick. I, I don't think oh. this is a good movie. I don't think it's fun uh. enough to be an ugly movie. This um, is a train wreck of a production, and you get a very muddled, uh, messy film that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I have not read the original novel, the H.G. Wells novel. Um, and we were talking during the trailer. You know, the trailer says the movie's set in 2010. The movie doesn't really mention that. And I don't really understand, like, when things start happening. Like, there's a moment where Val Kilmer is doing a Marlon Brando impersonation. Yeah. And it makes no sense. It's like, well, why? Like, where did that come from? It's supposed to be meta, but it it didn't didn't work. Yeah. I I guess. But, you know, that's the thing. I actually read something. um, I read an article about Val Kilmer. um, And I didn't know. I actually didn't know a lot about... um, you know his particular style, uh, how he's trained. Um, uh, very, you know, I believe it's, he was a Juilliard trained dramatic actor, and he's getting all these crazy roles that he didn't really want. He didn't want to be an action star. He didn't want to be Batman, and he's getting these roles, and and that's kind of the part of why he was rebelling. So he would show up on set late. He would do all these crazy antics, um, and. Eventually, that's kind of why he hasn't been in as many movies. Um, that's why he wasn't in the sequel to Batman Forever. The um, and and yeah, and so and then lately he's been he's been dealing and recovering from throat cancer. So I, I know he has a I know he's going to be in the new Top Gun movie, although I don't know to what capacity. But um, it's kind of sad when you think about all the great movies that he made in the eighties and nineties, and uh, this is not one of them, mind you, but. It, 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 this was during that time, that peak time. So this was peak Val Kilmer, peak Val Kilmer screwing around on sets. Um, yeah. But again, the movie is bad. Well, and I think another problem with this movie is just the the time it takes place. I feel like the 1990s was this like black box of of movie making where they weren't quite there with some of the CGI, some of the tropes. They just kept reusing like kelly you texted us about the the female role who was uh you know she was supposed to be a hybrid but she was of course beautiful and they felt like they had to do that 
Yeah. And they weren't pushing boundaries where like you see with the more gritty reboots of the of the 2000s, like Casino Royale and Batman Begins, which I think I mentioned before. But this is like that pre that pre gritty reboot era where just a lot of movies in the 90s don't hold up well. And this one, of course, suffers from all these other problems in addition to that. Right. And I, and I do wonder if the original director had been able to his vision, because I, I think if I'm remembering the quote I read on IMDb, it said that he spent he's either four years or four months. Either way, that's a pretty long time developing this concept and what he wanted on screen. And then he was fired. I think it was within four days. So he must have started part of the production. And um, but you just you feel bad for that happening. Right. And um, you mentioned the female lead. Um, is it Faruga Balk? Is that her name? I, I can't remember. I think. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. I'm blanking on her name, but she was actually one of the ones that really supported the original director's vision, going so much as trying to get out of her contract, and she was ready to walk. So she's another one that did not want to be in this movie. So this is just... The fact that they got something yeah. shot at all is is incredible, but again, I just... None of it worked for me. It's not ugly in the sense that it, I didn't really have fun with it. It's not one I want to watch again. And I, I don't particularly enjoy it. Um, and did you guys watch the director's cut or the original theatrical release? I think I watched director's cut. The director's cut adds a lot more gore and violence. Um, and Maybe I don't not. know that it's necessarily needed. I don't think it changes too much. But it, it, it's interesting that they it does go a little darker, a little more, you know, you know horror-esque. But, uh, you know, it still doesn't doesn't help the movie, doesn't fix it. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll say goodbye to this movie forever. If y'all wanna, if you don't have anything else to say about it, we can move on to the to the the piece de resistance, cats. The synopsis is: a tribe of cats called the Jellicles must decide yearly which one will ascend to the heavy side layer and come back to a new Jellicle life.
strive for a different life? A new day has begun. the most recent CGI rendition that everybody's talking about for multiple reasons. And this is Meowington's ugly pick, which is, I think, making Kelly and I both Indeed sad. it is. It is my ugly pick. And indeed it why? is. Making why, Charles? You mean, why isn't it my good pick? <laughs> Just why? why? Why would you prefer to watch this over Moreau? Even given all the all of the negatives you've already outlined from from that movie. Well, first of all, this is being completely honest. Um, this is not you know nothing just made up for this. I'm not. There's no hyperbole here. Um, this actually was one of those movies that leans somewhere between ugly and good for me. Now, here's the thing. I I actually feel bad <laughs> saying it's an ugly movie. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny I is I believe Charles. I believe Meowington one hundred percent. That anyway. Sorry. Keep going. Why? Why would you say that? I. I don't. I don't. I, I'm. I, yeah. I'm not really trying to be funny, guys. I don't know why we're laughing so much. At this. <laughs> this movie. I actually feel sorry for. If that's you know, if yeah, one can be can sorry for a movie because there is so much good. Inherent to it. It, it, when when I watch the trailer, I much like um, the song "Memory." I, I feel the happiness. Uh, I remember what it was like to be happy once, and that you know, I, I feel like the. So I went and I rewatched the original Broadway play, the one that I was on. I was way off Broadway, but I, I could still enjoy their performances. Um, and, and and I got to say that this movie, I feel like, accurately captured the play. So if one doesn't like the movie, you would have to be... It's a knock against the original like production. It's a knock against the original script because they captured the essence of it. They didn't mess with it too much. They didn't tweak in a lot of it. Um, and so it's kind of like when one thinks of Sin City, right? Sin City as a movie was almost identical painstakingly identical to the graphic novel so if you didn't like the movie you were really saying you didn't like the story of the original one right so if you can get past that now they did expand on some things they they you know since you don't have an audience interacting with the cast and being told of this they kind of expanded the, one of the characters that so she connects all the stories um, which I actually think works for this movie uh, but there is so much talent, so many talented, wonderful people working on this Oscar winners and, and, and beautiful music. And, you know, I guess the elephant in the room here is that people did not like the look of the characters. And then so they went with kind of a, a CG digital fur thing um, as opposed to the original play which was makeup and prosthetics and whatnot but i have actually never been bothered by that i don't see the uncanny valley that everyone else does on this movie i actually think this is one of the most beautiful movies 
at least of 2019, if not, you know, the decade. It's the cinematography is gorgeous. The colors are gorgeous. I actually like the the CG. I, I love the expressive ears and the tails. And, you know, that is a lot of work for a lot of people, you know, that it just gets dumped on. You know, the, this is they did some groundbreaking stuff. In how they captured it, and it was from the choreographer uh, that Hamilton did the, the scenes, and 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 I, and, and I just I, I see so much passion behind what was put on screen. This isn't a quick cash grab. This is, you know, people really tried and they really believed in what they were doing. And so, when I say it's ugly, it's ugly to me because it didn't quite 100% work the way they wanted. Now I think, I think part of that is. Again, if you've never seen the play, this is it's kind of hard to suddenly throw you in when they're saying Jellicle Cat a hundred times in a row in the first song, right? And and that is a little disorienting and it's it's bizarre and and you realize, wait a minute, what am I watching here? And and then it kinda of goes further down that rabbit hole when you get to Rebel Wilson's character and they do her song and she's got dancing cockroaches and mice and you know, and that that's one of those things that was expanded a little bit from the play. The, the song's the same, and the and they do talk about roaches and mice and stuff. So they they were even inspired by that. They went with it. It's just that didn't work. And I think having that stuff way too early at the beginning really is, you know, it's well, it's unfair because one, it's going to turn off the audience, and they're not going to like the rest. And I just think they should have flesh that part out more come up with a better introduction come up with a better character that can connect all these stories so they don't just feel so disjointed right but i i think once you get past the rebel wilson part i actually like it and and as i said it to me it's a story about redemption and and you know and there there's a little bit of I, I don't know. I just I, I, I just really enjoy that. And I, I and, and I think um, much like he did in Les Mis, I think the director did a lot of stuff where they actually sang live, uh, especially uh, Jennifer Hudson's performance when she was singing. I really think that was live because they want to be able to emote while they're singing. And I, I felt that. Right. This is one of the best versions of that song. I, I, I don't know. I just. Now, now there is one other thing I have issue with, and it's the the scale of things. You know, sometimes they were small, sometimes they were bigger. I think they were trying to be playful with it. That's hard to do, right? Because they're cats, but they're human cats, and so they're tall and they're not long. And it's like, how do you know what scale? I, I had problems with that, especially when the forks and the knives and stuff were bigger than they were. But I, I, that's whimsy. I, I'm a whimsical guy, yeah. right? Like I, I like that stuff. I, I, I let the. I just I love that the. You know, I mean, I, I, I take a little bit of issue with it, but I love the whimsy. I love what they were going for. So that alone would not have made it a bad movie at all. Okay, so with all of that, with all of that defense uh, of this movie, uh, Meowington, I would like to read a text message from our other host about, <laughs> about her experience. <laughs> the experience of watching this one makes me want to peel the flesh from my bones. <laughs> I don't know if it's one of the literal worst in terms of production, but it is up there in terms of ones I dislike the most. Kelly, rebuttal. <laughs> I, uh, and you know, see now, now Meowington, I feel bad trashing on it because that was <laughs> such a beautiful, impassioned speech. But it was. I, 
I just can't agree with you. And I'm so sorry. I really hated this movie. And I didn't want to hate it because I I like musicals. I I do not have any kind of problem with musical storytelling, but I don't this just 90 seconds in, I had already lost interest and I really wanted it to be over and it didn't charm me. I didn't I, I, what you're saying about the CGI, I can appreciate because if you just I think it was the way like if you look at their bodies and if you just look at the top of their heads and the kind of screw your eyes up so that's all you're focusing on the hair looks really good and i know like i had to take a bunch of 3d modeling classes for um my illustration degree and so i it is really 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 hard to make convincing yeah. realistic hair and so i do give mad props for that and there was a lot of thought that went into like the ear twitching and all those things but something about the way it interacted with their faces or the way they like blended the human parts with the furry parts always was a little bit wonky to me um i, I just to, to be honest <laughs> there were there was a time when i thought that this reminded me a little bit of the opening of Santa Claus when they're just like naming all the countries of the world and doing all these little vignettes of all the people that live in all the countries. I'm like, I, I'm not really that much of a cat person. And so it was, it was just like, this is what the movie is. This is a bunch of disjointed vignettes about all the mm -hmm. different types of cats. And I, I was, I, it made me want to peel the flesh from my bones. <laughs> Uh, I see. I think I'm. I think I'm a, exactly halfway in between both of you. I can't say I really enjoyed it, but it it wasn't so. I watched it with my kids and my my wife and two daughters, and they they were okay. In fact, my my youngest daughter wanted to watch the Kitty Cat movie again the next day, so oh. you know, at least it, at least it reached that audience. But I, I agree with the original sin of the musical in terms of it's just too disjointed and I, I enjoy musicals too I really like Chicago the the movie adaptation with Renee Zellweger was a great movie adaptation of, of a musical I really enjoy Phantom that was a great movie they made uh, you know so I kind of grew up enjoying it and, and seeing some in theaters but, but this one you know the the first couple scenes bothered me as well but when Judy Dinch because I was I was wondering what was going to happen when Judy Dinch entered the scene and I thought is this going to be embarrassing for her being involved in this? Because the Rebel Wilson was really, uh, was really bad. Uh, that's that scene was, and I didn't like uh, what's his name the 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 played the fat cat. I didn't like it's his performance boring. either. Yeah, when he was jumping around into the thing, and so I, w I was wondering what's going to happen when Judy Dinch comes in because she's so amazing and Ian McKellen so such amazing actors and Shakespearean. They I think they both were in the same Macbeth production, which is which is great. And, uh, and she came on the scene and she kind of brought it back a little. She brought me back into it a little bit. And I should uh, say also that um, this is true. She was almost in the original production. Um, I forget exactly what happened, but there was something either. I don't know if she got hurt or if she another role, but she for a long time thought she'd missed the boat on Cats. And that was a big reason why she wanted to be in this. Um, cool. And also her character, Old Deuteronomy, was originally a male character in the production. Yeah. So they yeah. kind of did a cool switch on that, I thought. I appreciate it, it that worked, aspect. Of I it. think it worked perfectly. She pulled off the matriarch, you know, that everybody respects so well. Ian McKellen's performance is really great in that song. And, but I, I just don't, I just disagree with, I mean, I think they could have 
tied these plot threads together better. There, there's potential here for for r- even ramping up Kate Hudson's character more. Uh, and the magician, uh, magical Mister McGonagall, they kind of did a little kind of a romance between him and the main the main Kate Hudson. character. Which one's Kate Hudson's character? No, not Kate Hudson. What's who am I thinking? Of? The one that did memory. Jennifer. Hudson. Oh, Jennifer. Jennifer Hudson. Hudson. Sorry, Jennifer Hudson. But there were opportunity. I mean. He, you take a musical, which which I think people give more leeway in in the musical theater for not being connected because you're it's more about the songs. But I think movies we just need more of more of a through line with the plot. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just think this this movie too had post production issues. I think I think that they could have done more with the CGI after the fact because well, there were moments were, when um, the, they were because of the reaction to the first trailer they were fine-tuning the CG yeah. uh, all the way up to the release and even after. I don't know if you guys heard about that, but after it was in theaters and it bombed, by the way, it was a huge loss. Uh, they were going in and re-editing the CG, fine-tuning it, and actually sent theaters another version of it, another copy. So, yeah. Uh, it, but, but I don't mean, I don't mean like the first stuff. I mean like the mice that were a lot smaller seemed yes. too high-res. You know what I mean? Like, it just didn't look realistic. I agree. I agree with that. Uh, I, at that's moments. The, that, to me, you, you called it embarrassing for Rebel Wilson. I, I think that was – that's the worst sequence of the movie by far. It, and she did and it fine in so it. And it so close like, to the beginning of the movie yeah. that I think when people watch this for the first time, that's – that's like, part of the what? big problem of this, right? Like when you see that, you're like, what are you, what are you watching? This is why people think that you're on an acid trip because you've got Rebel Wilson, yeah. like legs spread, scratching herself. And it's also there is, you know, maybe it's me picking up on animal type things here, but there seemed to be a lot of like sexual energy pulsing through this movie. Am I wrong? Am I misreading this? Yeah, they're, they're very live and I think it's all implied. It's not, I don't think it's more overt like watching it with my young children I didn't, didn't bother me except for that when Rebel Wilson I think she like is like, is cleaning her leg or something and then they seems like she's cleaning more than her leg for just a split second and yeah then it does on, but, mm. yeah so I think I think this movie could like had the potential the, for the first five minutes of, like when they not, not, not of the movie but like the concept when they sat down I think it had the potential to be a really groundbreaking Production, if they had done it right, and it just, I, I it just agree. didn't happen. I, I missed agree. The mark. But I, I really, I do think this is. I think they went into it with the best of intentions, and I think they yeah. just got messed up somewhere on the that. way, and that's that's why I call it ugly. But I, I just, I, you know, I, it, it's like I said, I, I see the potential there. I really do, and there are some moments of, I think there are moments of brilliance. I really, really do, and and and. I agree with you there, Mark, that I think if they had just connected the stories better, um, they were yeah, trying. I Katie, they were trying. I thought Katy Perry's scene was great. You would have to change so much of the musical to make that happen yeah. in a better way. And maybe, maybe and probably they should have. But, but even, you know, it's funny you say that because my wife is a fan of the original. And she even caught up on some of the changes they made. She was like, I'm not happy with the changes they made. I like when they stick closer. To- <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe you would have lost too many people. Yeah. So it, and that's kind of where they, that that's the ultimate uncanny valley, right? Between the people who wanted something different and the people who love the original. Right. I, right. I, I don't know if I, to me, okay. You, Mark, you mentioned Phantom, that movie with Gerard Butler and Emmy Rossum, which I really, really like that one too. And I think that was a good example of making a musical into a movie 
with a cast of vocalists who weren't necessarily I don't think anyway like classically trained and they didn't sound that operatic but they sounded really beautiful and it sounded like they they carried it with their acting as well as the vocals which is really difficult because I mean some of those songs are not easy to sing as I have learned singing them in my car but with this one I felt like so much of the story was singing that I was a little bit surprised Jennifer Hudson's are excluded from this comment because obviously she was amazing and her her, her, her her singing memory was my it was beautiful I mean it was the best part of the movie for me but like I was a little bit surprised to not feel as impressed by the vocals by really anybody else it was just like they cast these huge names who were really good actresses and, and actors but who could just kind of like carry a tune okay well, uh, have you seen Les Mis? no so, as I was saying earlier, it's the same director, and he kind of did the same thing for that movie, where um, he picked actors that aren't necessarily the best singers. For instance, in Les Mis, Russell Crowe was the big to-do that people, a lot of people kind of, you know, pooped on that. Uh, but I, I just, I, it's the same technique, right? It's, uh, his style seems to be sing it live. I know they did it in Les Mis for sure. They would have someone off camera playing like a couple notes just so they could be in key. and But they would actually capture this, the vocal performances live as opposed to singing it later on or dubbing it or whatever. And I, I really think they did this in Cats. So the goal for that is to, instead of having the best singers, you have some of the best actors that are able to emote. And, and I wonder... If perhaps if you were to watch Les Mis, you'd have the same feeling when you watch as you did when you watch Cats, um, same yeah. style. Maybe so. Yeah. But I think it, I think it was compounded by the fact that I wasn't really enjoying some of the other aspects of the movie, and so that just kind right. of tanked it even further for me. So I wonder if maybe I would enjoy Les Mis more, even though it's guilty of the same thing. Yeah, just because. It, it's a different. I, I don't know. Uh, now I'll have to watch it. And I'll I'll report back. It's it's a really interesting watch style. It's a, it's kind of <laughs> not this one. It's it's Lame just it. an interesting. Okay, it's an interesting okay. style yeah, because yeah. they you know it's it's. I I I wasn't the biggest fan of Les Mis, um, and and I don't disagree with what you're saying, but then again you get some amazing performances. Um, Anne Hathaway in Les Mis singing live is beautiful, and she won an Oscar. And here you have Jennifer Hudson giving this heartfelt performance. And a lot of people, they give her crap about, you know, her nose running and all that, but you just feel it, right? Like, yeah. And, and I, I just I just don't think you could have done that any other way than the way he did it for both performances. And so, you know, if this movie had been better, you know, could Jennifer Hudson have got another Oscar for this? Again, Hathaway did in, that, in Les Mis. I don't know. I just... I this movie just it kills me on that sense and I I don't have many of my nine lives left to die for this but this one does kill me <laughs> when we start talking about all that there's just so much potential for what it should have been mm-hmm. it could it could have been huge and wasn't yep. no nope, it was a huge bomb mm-hmm. a huge failure so yeah and it was not a cheap movie to make by the way either and they spent a lot yeah. of money on this there was a lot of faith in this so mm-hmm. yeah you can see Cats why. is one of the um, most popular musicals of all time uh, if, and it's longest so, running right yeah no, for sure Phantom, Phantom I think holds uh, well, that well I think it, I think it, it was it at one time on, um, but, but but yeah, yeah I just 
they there was an audience for this, and I, I don't know exactly what happened somewhere along the way, but missed opportunity. All right. Yes, it was. Okay. So that wraps up our discussion of animal-human hybrids. Yes, it and does. And my picks are next. What's that? I say yes, it does. It wraps it up. Yes. What are your picks, Mark? Oh, yeah, because we are we should also say that we are again... I stole them from Kelly. Not she yet really ready for prime time on Kelly's picks. No. I don't <laughs> yeah. even know a single pick from her Kira Knightley period piece. It's, I'm it's just, coming I, around the mountain. It's the suspense. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm doing something a little different. I, I I had a picks in mind and I couldn't find an ugly one yet. Uh, I thought I had it and I watched it and it it was really bad. So uh, so I'm going to I'm going another direction with something I had in my back pocket. But this is going to be kind of different than the way we've picked movies before. Uh, a little bit. So my genre, as you can see behind me, which way? I'm a I'm a huge Jack White fan. Uh, the White Stripes and his his two other bands. And Jack White has been in exactly three movies. Uh, one of those movies is very bad. One of those movies is very good. And one of those movies is uh, is pretty ugly. And so he doesn't always have a huge role in all of these, which is why I say it's different than what we've done before. But that's going to be the thread that ties these three picks together. Uh, so movies okay. that, uh, that feature in some form or fashion the musician Jack White. So we have 2003 Coffee and Cigarettes. 2003 Cold Mountain and 2007 Walk Hard The Dewey Cox Story <laughs> Okay uh, I so, should say that uh, I actually enjoy all of those movies so I'm not sure which is which I really don't have a clue to be honest Are you going based on his performance or based on the overall No movie? that's that's the other thing too Yeah, the movie overall not just Jack White's performance because in, in, uh, in Walk Hard he's barely in it He's in it for like a split second, and we'll see if he can catch it. I mean, I usually go for an overall movie too, so you know, yeah, it, it works. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. Cool. Those sound good. That's my picks. All right. Anything else you want to say before we do the outro? No, I think we're good. The we're, shiny, uh, sparkly new outro. Yeah, sparkly new outro. We're trying out some new stuff here, so take it All away. Right. You can catch us live on Facebook or listen to the replay on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube by searching Good Bad Podcast, all one word, or head over to our website, it's just awesome.com. But remember, wherever you check us out, be sure to subscribe. It really does help. And I have been Mark. I'm Kelly. And I'm meowing to meals. Meow. <laughs> have Hi, a guys. good one, guys. Thanks.